Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. We've got a bit of an exciting show here today, and not only because Carl's looking after things in Studio 2, but we've got some uh, interesting guests. We've got uh, some varied things happening today. Our first guest is coming to you from Sydney, and uh, this was actually preempted by the fact that uh, I bought one of those sharpening systems where it's sort of like this handle and it has three different discs on it, and you you're supposed to pull the blade through and it destroys knives, I've discovered. And uh, I thought it'd be a timely thing to have a chat to Lee Hudson from Chef's Armoury to find out how do you sharpen a knife? One, how do you sharpen it? Um, you know, money no object, because he comes from a, uh, a store which uh, often some of the things are money no object because it deals with the perfection of the Japanese, but also how can we sharpen a knife, keep an edge on the knife and do it cheaply and economically? Yeah? How are your knives at home, Carl? Uh, probably in need of a sharpening, to be honest. Do you know that you only cut yourself with dull knives? Is that true? Well, it's, that's pretty much because when you have a dull knife, that's when you start forcing the blade and then it true. suddenly turns. Off, off comes the thumb. Yeah, yep. I, I remember driving a knife into my index finger of my right hand because I had a, a, a big sabache carbon steel cook's knife. Wasn't that sharp? Well, it wasn't sharp enough. And I remember the onion, I just went, in, in, and this was just before service. <laughs> of course, I just drove it into my finger. And yeah, now you find out you get really polite <laughs> when you damage yourself in Especially the kitchen. With an onion. Excuse me, everybody. Um, I seem to have cut my hand. <laughs> anyway, we're going to talk to Lee about sharpening knives. We are going to go to market and have a bit of a chat to John. He was a very, very happy boy. He's got this gigantic cabbage and uh, I've posted a picture of John with his gigantic Savoy cabbage at the Queen Victoria Market. You can see that on Cam Smith Eated Instagram. Play along with us if you like and then hopefully, I got my fingers crossed, Carl, he's got his fingers crossed. We hope to, around about a quarter to 12, have a chat too. The uh, newly re-elected uh, Lord Mayor of Melbourne, Sally Cap, and uh, talk to her about, uh, well, the, the new reality and, um, and how we get people into the city and what the city looks like and, uh, and how we evolve this situation that we are all in. So that's pretty much the show for today. Carl, you'd hate to be a wine exporter, would you not? Certainly, if my main customer was China, yes. If you'd put all your eggs in that one big basket, um, gosh. Uh, yes, I think we're going to have to have a chat to Duncan Buchanan about that at some stage. Uh, if Sally Caps falls over, we might go to him. It's just a bit of a, a warning there. But we will certainly be talking to Duncan Buchanan, uh, plonker, ex-plonker on this uh, radio station. And uh, we look forward to that. 
Um, that was about it. Oh, the other thing. Have you been going out and eating out much since uh, COVID has lifted? A Carl? little bit. A little bit. Yep. Any, any highlights of um, gustatory pleasures? Ooh, I was out at a oh, very... Question without notice, I must say. Yeah, Sorry, buddy. that's right. Yeah. I was in um, Creswick, actually, the other side of Ballarat on the weekend. Creso? Yep. The, that beautiful, beautifully maintained city. There's a bit of money in Creswick. Is there? Yeah, well, cool. have you seen how the state of the town... Every building looks schmick in Creswick. All those little towns are beautiful. There was uh, Talbot, Creswick, Clunes, lovely. Trentham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you eat in Creswick? Just went to the uh, local hotel. Yes. Nice. Yeah, great. Cool. Counter-attack? Uh, well, sitting out in the garden, it's beautiful. Yeah, well, that sounds... Oh, so, yeah, that sounds sounds really, really good. Uh, I must throw a little bouquet for uh, a place that I went to this week. And I was very, very fortunate to be um, taken out there. And thank you, Fiona Brook, for doing that. Poodle mm. on Gertrude Street. Probably one of the last un, um, unrenovated places that was sort of left on Gertrude Street. Um, they had opened up pre-COVID, um, had to close up, had to sell sandwiches, but they are back and... What a groovy little place that is. My God, really interesting menu, awesome front of house staff, um, some some really amazing presentations. Like um, someone said to me, it's sort of like, and this is actually what I wrote on Instagram, and you can check it out if you want, it's sort of like a mixture between room service at a really fancy five-star hotel. So you've got, you know, like crudités served on a plate with under a napkin and shaved ice and this really really nice 21st century ethos highly recommended we should get to lee oh he's on he's on yeah he's, so been... he's just been waiting he's been waiting patiently <laughs> lee hudson you are a man of great patience thank you it's been a long time cam it's been a, been a been a few uh it's been a, a, a few moons be, and Absolutely. many before we uh, have been able to drink some sake together. Yes, yes, yes. We must uh, catch up next time I'm in town. Now, uh, first of all, you uh, represent, you are the patron, the owner, the instigator, the helmsman of a fabulous business that I think we first met years and years ago when you were first starting out, Chef's Armoury. Uh, was 2008. Wow. We met. No, that's the year after we started, actually. Yes. So, wow, that's a long time. It's it's been um, yes. It's there's been a few sake lees that have gone under the under the bridge. What is Absolutely. what is Chef's Armory? Just for those that haven't heard of it. So basically, basically, Chef's Armory is is a, a shop where chefs arm themselves. Um, we have the the very best kitchen ordnance. Yes. So Japanese knives. Um, obviously, the other bits that go with it: sharpening stones, uh, which we're having a chat about today. Sharpening. Um, and also we sell sake because, you know, booze and knives in one room. That's, that's fantastic. Why not? Um, what could go wrong? You know, if there is anything that under, underpins the ethos of the Japanese is the relentless pursuit of perfection. Honing, honing, Absolutely. honing, honing until um, you are able to reach a Zen state of perfection. Uh, there are things that are in your shop that almost make me weep because of their beauty and their purity of design. Yeah. We, we certainly have some really beautiful stuff at the moment, um, and it's, it's taken a very long time to put together everything we have. But, uh, and, a lot of, some beautiful stuff. and a lot of relationships um, that you've uh, cultivated by going to 
the the island country of Japan. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a lot of yeah. a lot of sake drinking. <laughs> oh well, someone's got to do it, I suppose. But Absolutely. but here's my point because we we don't have a huge amount of time, and you've been kind enough to actually chat to me while you are preparing a very very special meal. Yes, we have a we have an 80th birthday, father-in-law's 80th birthday today. Mm. Uh, so it's been in the kitchen all morning and, and back to the kitchen after this as well. But uh, yeah, so thank a you, feast. thank you a so feast. much for taking the time to have a chat to us. Okay, so here's my problem. One, I'm gonna uh, let me just do a quick little ramble. There is a saying that you only really cut yourself with a dull knife. Um, you go to so many people's places and their knives are dull and it's terrible. And thirdly, I was naughty, and I went to a shopping mall, not your shop, and um, I bought one of these systems where it's sort of like a, a handle with a purse, and then you have a perspex thing, you hold it horizontally, it has three sets of um, sort of ceramic wheels. The idea, much like a, a wheelchair stay sharp, but without the scabbard, is you drag the, um, the blade through, first of all, the very coarse one, then a very medium one, and then a fine one, and it destroyed my knife. Mm. Did it take any chunks out of it? Oh, it took chunks out of it. It's like a serrated knife. This is like, <laughs> it's not a, not a hugely special knife because I don't really have, uh, I've never been able to afford to buy hugely special knives, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's a global, it's a global knife, right? So it's a global yep. cook's knife. Um, and it made the the blade almost feel like it was serrated. And I, and mm. I, and I cried tears of rage. Well, I didn't. Yeah. I just went, oh, geez, that's a bit fucked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, a common, it's a common problem. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people get sucked into buying the, uh, the, the pull-through sharpeners. Don't, and, don't um, buy them, folks. Don't buy them. They don't work. No. So they, they, they don't work as advertised, that's for sure. Well, not only does the, the coarse one just, just, just rip your, your blade to pieces, um, the fine one, which is usually just like a white, sort of looks like white porcelain or something like that, mm. The first pull through you do, or the first couple you do, has all the grelge and the filings on the knife, and then that sticks to it, and you can't get it off. So it, it becomes useless after the third pull through. Mm. So anyway, yeah. the, let's just throw that over our shoulders, and we'll never speak of that again. Can you give Absolutely. us an idea of the range of how people can maintain a knife economically, and then, of course... We'll give you a free kick because you've come on the radio to say the money no object thing. Your time starts now, Lee. I think I think a lot of people get scared or intimidated about sharpening knives for a start, um, especially if if we say, "Hey, you should sharpen on a stone." Yep. Um, because what does that mean? Uh, but if we ha- if we go back to the Iron Age, mm. um, people have been sharpening steel on rocks for a long, long time. Yep. Right. So this is this is the traditional way to actually sharpen something. And actually, um, we spoke of the fact that um, uh, that there are quarry stones um, that have been discovered way up north that predate Iron Age by millennia. Ah, yes, yeah. for sharpening yeah. flints and yes, yes, yeah. It's 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 not something to be scared of. <laughs> it's something that's very very simple. Mm. Um, and sharpening on a stone, even if it's a cheap stone, is going to be a better better result than actually sharpening on anything else that I can think of. Um, and it's, it's a method that anyone can learn. Um, in the past, we, we do sharpening classes. Uh, I think our oldest person that's come to our sharpening class was 85. And she did a fantastic wow. job. 
Yep. Yep. So it, it is, if I can paraphrase what it is, it's, it's easy to do. The most important thing is consistency of angle. Absolutely. But, but even that, people get a little bit hung up about, oh, the angle's got to be, you know, exactly 15 or 14 or 12 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But even if you vary that angle just that little bit, it's not going to give you such a bad result. Okay. Um, and it's not going to tear you... your knife apart either. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Uh, and sharpening on stones, people also tell me that they find it quite relaxing. Yeah, it's a bit zen. Yeah, it's, it's you do, very you, zen. You, you clear your mind when you're doing this. Absolutely. Well, you should, anyway, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and the Japanese have this little little concept about sharpening on stones. They don't say that you're sharpening the knife. They say that you're training the knife. How's that? Oh, that's very profound. Yeah. I like that. I like that. <laughs> so I spend an hour every morning training my knife, yeah. the sushi chef said to me. <laughs> yes. So very, so, very cool. Um, so you can, there, is, um, there is a system where you can put something on top of the knife which acts as a guide. Would you recommend that? I, I don't, actually. Um, a couple of reasons. Yes. One, you'll always rely on it. Uh, uh, and the second reason is I tend to find they tear up the stone. Because uh, so, it's following yeah. along and you're dragging along the stone anyway. So, yep. yeah, okay. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So it's not being very kind to your stone. It's, it's better just to rip that Band-Aid off yep. and have a crack and um, free freehand sharpen. Okay. Okay. Um, could we just go to the hardware and just get a, a sharpening stone? So I, it depends. <clears throat> it really depends. Back in the, uh, back in the sort of decades previous... Um, everybody was using oil stones, and that's the sort of stone that they do sell at a hardware store. Yes. Um, but I think the very best type of stone to use is a water stone uh, uh-huh. because it kind of self-refreshes and self-cleans. Yes. Um, it's, it's much easier to use as well. It's a lot less messy. You don't have to have the oil. It's just water. Yes. Water's cheap. Yep. Um, and it doesn't get clogged up. I tend to find oil stones tend to get clogged up. I used to um, use an, an oil stone, but then um, I used to use, um, instead of using oil, I used to use detergent. Yeah, that's that's the old chef trick, um, yeah, well, and I think back back in the day that that's what I used to do as well when I was a young apprentice. Yes, um, but yeah, I, I find water stones they they cut really well. They're easy to use, easy to look after. Um, the other thing as well is it, it's a little confusing about what you need as kit. You know, if you spend a little bit of time on the internet, um, they'll talk about grits and things like that. I think that the very good basic kit to have is a 400 stone and a 1,000 stone. Okay. The 400 is the, is the coarse one, the 1,000 is the medium one, and that's really all you need to sharpen a knife. Hmm. And just However, using water? Just water. Yep, yep. And yep. so what angle, sh- around about what angle should you have? So we say that the angle for a Japanese knife, your average Japanese knife, the chef knife, um, is between 10 and 15 degrees, which is if you pop two or three 20-cent pieces under the spine... That's where it's at. Um, whoa, 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 the, whoa, 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 that is good. That is good. Say that again. Three? So it's two to three yeah. 20 cent pieces just tucked under the spine. Oh, wow. So you can use that as a, there you go, that you can set that up as a guide, take that yep. away, and just do the best you can in doing that. And yep. are you doing circular motion or just straight through on the stone? Uh, we, tend, we tend to tell people to run straight up and down the stone. Yep. Um, and work on a little section of the knife at a time. So you yes. start from, on the first side, start from the tip and go to the heel. Yes. And then on the second side, it sits from the heel to the tip. Um, we do have a, a great video online at the moment on our website. Ooh. 
Um, and, and we're replacing that with an even better video soon. Wow. And where would that video yeah. be, just uh, so that people know? So that's at uh, chefsarmory.com, and it's under the education section. So... That's That'd be education's near the top right-hand corner. And I'll mention one more thing, and uh, just in uh, before conclusion, is the fact mm. that you uh, a lot of people will have sharpening steels. Um, a sharpening yep. steel will not put an edge on a knife, but it will hone a knife that has an edge. Absolutely. So, and the type of steels we, we tend to steer people away from diamond steels because they just remove lots and lots of metal. So yeah. we say a nice ceramic steel is good. Yes. Um, but, yeah, all it does is it realigns any little teeth that are on the edge uh, and gives you a little bit more oomph until you can get to a sharpening stone next. Oh, yeah, okay. That's, uh, oh, that's, that's kind of good. Okay. Uh, the other thing was, um, tell me if I'm just uh, being a barbarian, mm. which is something Japanese like to call uh, outsiders. Um, I used to put my uh, stone in the dishwasher. Your stone in the dishwasher? Uh-huh. Cleaned it out. Uh-huh. Clean as a whistle mm. it came out. <laughs> I don't think you should put water stones in the dishwasher. Right, okay. So they're, they're a little bit yep. more precious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's chemicals in there that'll damage them, um, uh, things like that. So, so desca. So, and the knife itself shouldn't go in the dishwasher either. Oh, no, 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 no. My knives yeah. don't go in the dishwasher. No, no, that, yeah. I'd be truly a barbarian if I did that. I just thought it was yeah. expedient and it seemed to uh, to kind of work pretty well for that. Um, so, yeah, any other sort of tips on, um, on on sharpening a knife and the importance of? So I think it's, it's, it's very important to have a, a sharp knife and the very best time to sharpen your knife is when it's a little bit dull. Yes. Uh, don't let it get to a spoon before you sharpen it. Yes. It's uh, something that you should stay on top of. And then it becomes a pleasurable thing. It's, it's a couple of minutes sharpening on a stone mm. and you have a sharp knife, um, whereas if it gets really, really dull, yes. then it's, it's, it's a half hour. It's a 40-minute job, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, because you've got to work it and work it and work it and yeah, work yeah, it. Yeah. And how do you tell that your knife has been properly sharpened? So I like to um, take it to the kitchen and use it is, is one thing. <laughs> the tomato test never fails. Tomato uh, test, that'll, yes. That'll tell me if it's, if it's sharp. Yes. Um, but uh, all sorts of tests of sharpness. Uh, one of them is, is just touching the back of your nail with the edge of the knife. Some people are scared of that. You'll yeah. feel it bite. Yeah, yeah. Um, some people slice paper. Um, but I think that the true test is in the kitchen. You know what I used to do? Um, I used to usually pull out my a forearm uh, just uh, wet down a little bit on the forearm and see if it shaved off the hair. Yeah, but then I find people look at you funny on the bus. Oh, it's, no, that's uh, it's not on the bus. No, yeah. that was back yeah, in the, kitchens the, when no oh, one okay. could the see you. Patch. <laughs> yeah, but you know what happened to me once when I did that? I had a boning knife, which I got to razor sharp, right? And then I did the mm. zut And then just to wipe it off my apron, I went flip, flip. Except I'd cut through the apron, I'd cut through the chef tunic, I'd cut through the pants, and I flayed my skin open. And that was another time I got really, really polite in the kitchen. I went, oh, excuse me, I seem to have opened up my side. <laughs> Which is, uh, so, oh, I shouldn't ask why you left the kitchen. Why I didn't? Oh, because I was just too accident prone, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, in the uh, the one minute that we've got left, Lee, you said that uh, sake sales kind of went through the roof with COVID. Yeah, people were people were self medicating fairly heavily. I think. <laughs> yes. Testify. Yeah. And yep. But 
I think I think sake is a is a very wholesome sort of drink. Yes. Um, uh, very soothing, very calming, and I think uh, it's probably a good thing to have in in times of trouble. Yes, Mother Mary brings to me big flask yeah. of sake. Uh, Lee. Again, thank you so much. There is a fabulous store in Richmond, uh, Chef's Armory. Look it up. A great website and uh, a fabulous business that has developed and refined itself, just like the Japanese ethos is uh, over the years. Lee, a very happy birthday to your father-in-law. Thank you. And thank you so much for spending your time with us on Eat It. No worries. It's uh, good to chat, man. Uh, it's good to catch up. Look forward to seeing you soon, or in the not-too-distant. All right, cool. All right, mate. Take Thank care. you, Lee. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. And as we say in the business, John, rolling... Good morning, everyone. How are we today? I'm good. John's just asked me, he said, come on, you're rolling. I want to do something. He's going to do something now. What are you going to do? Yeah, hang on to this. Holy jeez. Wow. Um, They say to never eat anything bigger than your head. (laughs) Oh, rubbish, mate. (laughs) This is Vic Market, the land of the lucky, mate. It is. I got a Savoy cabbage. This could be one of the biggest cabbages I've ever seen in my life. What does it remind you of when you were at high school doing Uh, gym? uh, Medicine ball. Right. All right, now, a lot of people don't know what a medicine ball is, but... It's a very, very big, hard, heavy, heavy ball. Yeah, they were made of leather and they were... And they were full of sand and stuff. And if your uh, PE teacher didn't like you, he'd say, here, catch this. And you'd cop it in the gut and you'd be rolling down the street. So this is a beautiful new season Savoy cabbage. not a good start to PE, is it? Well... (laughs) Jimmy, come here. You you learnt to run fast when he said run and jump when you were told to jump. Yeah. One thing that's interesting about it, before you sort of, um, you're sort of peeling open the layers... All those um, baby side cabbages. Babies. They're like... Size um, sprouts. Yeah, mini Brussels sprouts. Yeah. They they, they actually look like... If you didn't know, Mm. you'd think that they were a Brussels sprout. Yeah, you would. But sometimes they can be very bitter and sometimes they can be very sweet, so we don't bother about them. It's and a bit like life. Yes, it's definitely. A bit like life, is Definitely, it? it can be either way. Yep. So, so wherever this has come from, it's come from... It's, it's come from nice Werribee. Red soils of Werribee, there yes, they are. Yes, yes. Beautiful, uh, well-tended soil. Mm. Um, this guy is a second-generation grower. Mm. Uh, I think he's just turning 70, so they've been there on that farm a long, long time. And my dad's known the family... Uh, since he started in 1946, so that's how long they've been doing it too. And dare we say it, even in, no, just now, praise Jesus that there's still really, really great growing areas close to the CBD. Yeah, if you ever go for a drive down to Werribee Zoo, you want to take a detour through the uh, back streets there of Werribee where the farms are, Uh, and it's like a different world. Everything's straight lines, no grass, mm. no rubbish, mm. um, and no people too, just the veggies growing, and when it's time to pick, then you see people there. If not, it's desolate, and it's beautiful. And the other thing that has always um, got me is the, the sprinklers that go around that water the area. Definitely. Um, some of them still use clean town water. Some of them use the recycled water, mm. uh, which they've proven is still very good. 
so we're not complaining. We get nice cabbages and collies from um, Mick Russo down there. Um, and from one of his neighbours, we got some beautiful new season garlic. Uh, it's got a beautiful purple hue. People have been jumping on it because when you open it up, it's like a little pearl. It's nice yeah. and soft and fragrant. When you eat it, you don't smell a garlic the next day. That's good, so, nice. You can put it in a salad drawer or you can cook it. All right, just indulge me and the listeners for two secs, uh, John. Hold that cabbage up and I'm going to take a photo of it. It's like you've just caught the biggest barramundi or something. Hey, there we go. I'm going to bring this in. I'm going to post this before we go on the show so you can have a look at it. Yeah, because a lot of you people may not believe it, but you will when you see the photo. It's it's huge. Yeah. Ah, uh, beautiful. Yeah, he's looking, looking happy there. There we go, instant. <laughs> I that's, hope you send the photo to me. That's uh, um, Cam Smith eat it on the Instagram. And yeah. a big old, ooh, that's a big tomato too, about the size of a grapefruit. Yeah, believe slightly, it or not. Slightly squashed grapefruit. Yes, believe it or not, this came out of Geelong. Really? Um, the Vietnamese boys have built glass houses down there. Mm. And got plastic igloos as well. Yes. And um, what happens is, is um, like it's been really hot, the, the tomatoes from Murray Bridge all got frazzled because you can imagine it was 40 degrees I was, outside. I was going to ask that. And we've got um, record-breaking, te- record-breaking temperatures yesterday in November. Uh, more heat up in the, uh, the, the northeast coast. That's going to have an effect, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And it is already having an effect. So it would have been 50-55 in a glass house, so you can imagine the poor tomatoes curled up and died. So they're culling all those tomatoes, and hopefully we're selling what's edible. And right. um, we, we may have Geelong tomatoes for a few weeks, and then uh, it's Christmas, and then we'll have Doncaster. Happy, hey. happy. Hey! All right. Yeah, well, that, so that the cycle happy. goes on. All right, question without notice. Yes. Um... I went into my potato drawer. Well, it's actually more of a potato shelf behind a cupboard, so it's dark, just yes. so you know that. Yes, yes, okay. that's good. These potatoes are sprouting, as potatoes do. Yeah, hang on, I'll see if I've got one here. All right, hang on, she's going to find a sprouting potato. But my, the question is, when has that potato, which is uh, full of starch and is full, just a thing of energy, right? That's its whole gig. When does that become sort of not an eating proposition because it's put all, most of the energy into those shoots rather than the, the spud? It's, what I'm uh, saying is when yeah. do you throw that spud yeah. away? Well, very rarely because yeah. sometimes even when it's soft and ugly and you know, I can't say what I'm thinking. So Squidgy. Yeah. Uh, when it's all old and wrinkled oh. like someone's old skin... Oh. Human skin. Good thing. Um, oh, thank God you said that. Yeah, it's Sunday, you know. Yeah, I'm um, People and, are going and, to church, you know. And even then, you know, those potatoes are still good. You peel them up, and they make the best gnocchi, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh-huh. There we go. So, it's the same way as, what do you tell me, with beetroot? Same, the squishy ones squishy are always full ones of sugar. Are good. What do you tell me with eggplant? Same again, you know. Squishy ones are sometimes good. Mostly good because Mm. they're whiter inside, there's no seed, Mm. there's no acid in them, they're all sweet. Mm. When an eggplant's hard, uh, it can be uh, full of seed, bitter, uh, not nice, you know, Mm. it doesn't grow on properly. And getting back to your potato. Yes. Now, um, even if it's a washed potato that's got a shoot on it, as long as it's not green, green, there's nothing wrong with it. You break the shoot off, peel the potato and cook it. Yes. Actually, they're the best because, like you said, um, all the starches then that have changed, yes. more sugar, mm. um, better to bake, better to fry. Because I've got some new season Tobago's here. I'll just grab one. Yeah, so, so what you're saying, paraphrasing, it's not a deal breaker when you get... Um, oh, no, definitely no, not no, no. because there's 
different that. horses for different courses. Now, this potato is a sabago, and what's it look like? It's got sunburn, but it, yeah, it's it, skin. It, yeah, peeling. it's just got the peeling skin. If this was going to have a shower at the night time, it'd be going ooh ah ah. Yeah, now, um, but this it is, is it's a like potato straight out of the ground. Wow, look at this that. This is a real new potato, not those washed potatoes that come out of the fridge up to nine to ten months later. No. So, but if you bake this potato, it will burn. So because of those little... It's too young. It's too young, yeah. Right. Too much moisture in the potato. Yeah, right. So if you want to bake it, you've got to parboil it and then bake it. But if you steam this, a little bit of olive oil and parsley on top and a little bit of the new garlic, it's to die for. Hmm. The best potato salad. Uh, you can make a mash, but if you boil them, don't boil them too long because they'll soak up more water. You ever heard of Jacques Raymond? Yes. Famous French chef. Yes. And he just came out with this great aphorism about vegetables and fruit and cooking of vegetables and fruit, it's all about understanding the water content in the vegetable and dealing with it. That's one of the biggest guiding principles of cooking cooking veg. Yeah, definitely. And the same with the tomato. If you've got a watery tomato, you you can't make a a bread roll and let it sit there for five hours. You've got to eat it sooner because your bread roll will go soggy. Moisture. Yeah, moisture. Gone. So with your potatoes, not a problem. As long as they're not green, it doesn't matter. So what's the best thing to use this beautiful sabago that's just come out of the ground with its slightly uh, peeling skin? Well, I wouldn't even bother peeling this. I'd run it under the cold water and rub it, and most of the skin will come off. Mm. Probably cube it and steam it or boil it for a little bit. Plenty of parsley, garlic, and olive oil. Potato salad? Potato salad. Potato salad. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. The bees needs. That'd be nice. Uh, So not baking. um, Yeah. But the old Sabagos are very good because they're starchy. They make the best chips. And Desiree's the older they get, the better. Mm. Um, we send the bag up to um, a restaurant up here in North Melbourne and um, called Sosta, and, and they love them when they're a little bit older because, you know, you can put them in the oven and they don't burn and, mm. yeah, you can steam them and they don't fall to bits. So it's good. So squidgy yeah. is good. Yeah, definitely. Let's go across the, uh, to the other side of the aisle. Yeah. And uh, have a quick chat about yeah. fruit. Um, I'm sad. Why? Because there's no KPs on the shelves at the moment. Oh, yes. Yeah, the northern this... ones are finished. Oh, far and... out. What? Yeah. No, far north. Far oh, north. Far Darwin, north. Darwin, yeah. Darwin, Darwin. So we're waiting for the uh, Queensland ones to come in. The QLDs. There's, there's some monsters over there. Yeah, wouldn't um, bother with them. They've got a red uh, pitchy face. Actually, that's not R2E2. R2 they are R2E2. I, I hate R2-E2. them. I hate them with a uh, Yeah, I know. We know. Yeah, but, yeah. Too yeah, sweet. But, yeah, no. They taste like kerosene to me. Oh, they've got that kerosene yeah, turpentine yeah. But some people love them, so who am I to say? But yeah. other than that, everything else is looking good. There's cherries there for 12 You can pay anything from 10 to $30 a kilo. Yeah. You get what you pay for. Always. Always be- um, better to pay more for cherries, I say. abundance of Australian fruit. Unfortunately, Chinese fruit's creeping in. Maybe we should tell them no wine, no fruit. What Chinese fruit? See those this, uh, big brown nashi pear with a um, plastic liner on them? Oh, See the two dollars? Yeah. Look, I, I know the ones you mean. Yeah. yeah no. Uh, I don't know what they're called, but... Yeah. They may be nice, but they're not ours, and they're ten bucks a kilo. And we got our own nashies there for three, four dollars a kilo. There's a half a dozen different varieties of apples, dirt cheap, bananas, dime a dozen. Some mandarins still hanging in. 
Nectarines. Nectarines had, coming. Had white nectarines. Yeah, had a couple the other day. They were awesome. I've been waiting. Sammy had a yellow one and a white one from Robert next door. Yeah. Uh, and they looked a million dollars, and she said the white one's sweeter. The yellow nectarines got a little bit more acid. Mm. They don't do it for me, but a lot of people love them, so they're out there. Get out and try. Same with the white peaches. Same with the white peaches. Always yeah. more fragrant. They're, white they're, they're about four or five dollars at the moment, which is not bad. I, I'd say that's cheap. Mm. So, you know, again, there's an abundance of everything, fruit and veg. Come in, have a look, walk around, design your menus when you're walking around. What have you spotted, lychee? Yeah, yeah mate. Isn't it amazing how, how some things jump at you? Wait. Yeah, but when they're like that, that's the first of the season. You buy four, you buy five, you yeah. buy six, and you go, hmm. Ah, oh, yeah, I'm alive again. And then later, when they're ten bucks, eight bucks, you buy a heap and you have lychee and ice cream, lychee cake, lychee yeah. this and lychee that. Lychee cake? Yeah. Never. It's like an upside-down pineapple cake. You put lychees in it. Oh, that sounds oh, awesome. Yeah. And you caramelise them a little bit yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Mate, where have you been? Well, <laughs> I'm always learning, John. I'm always learning. I am too, so the, I shouldn't throw stones. The, the more we know, the less we know. True. True, that. Because we forget the old things. And, well, yeah, And then right. when you do remember them, geez, it's a blessing, isn't it? <laughs> Thank God I'm remembering that. Um, important question. What's for dinner tonight? Is quick, Franca quick, looking after you tonight? Quick pasta tonight. It's, quick I'm pasta. tired. When I get home Sunday night, I'm tired. Mm. You know, sometimes irritable. Not always, sometimes. Um, but tomorrow night... Whoa! Whoa, that'd be a bit so, of a rain band coming through. Yeah. Um, Listen to that. You can can yeah, you hear that, folks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, isn't it? And the people are responding people to going, it. Woo, um, yeah, well, we had a few hotties, you see, because in... In the sheds here, it was really hot on Friday. Oh, yeah. But t- Monday night, tomorrow night, um, one of the boys in there, he sells the hocks of the pork. Normally, they just sell them fresh. Mm. And um, I said to him one day, can you brine them for me? We remember You remember well. that? Yep. So that's what we're having tomorrow night. Oh, wow. He gave me a couple of big ones. Mm. So we'll s- they've been salted. So all we do is put a little bit of olive oil, sit them on the side to brown the face of it, yep. and then turn it up. So all the crackling goes really beautiful crackly. And there's a bun fight who's going to get to the bone first. Oh, yeah. And because it's been brined, you can hit it hard and the moisture will stay within it. That's right. It's, again, all it's, about it's managing like moisture. It's like having a Christmas ham and it's not Christmas yet. But, it's but it will be soon. And smaller than your head. That's right. <laughs> which, is, which is kind of good. Um, all right. Uh, we probably need to go because I've got to get to the studio. Pick of the market. Pick of the market, still asparagus. Um, How much? I'm selling 15. 15. No, they've gone up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you can buy cheaper ones, but as usual, you know, there's always more white. They might be crooked. The heads are open a little bit. Mm. That's definitely a go. Get some asparagus while you can. Maybe we'll have some for Christmas. I'm praying, but who knows? Mm. Um, the peas are exceptional. When I was speaking to mum on the phone yesterday, she said, if the peas are good, bring me some. So when I took them to her, she threw them on the table and I ate half of them straight away. That's oh, how good they are. Just out of the pods? Out of the pods. Yeah, yeah. Everything else is pristine. Everything else, good price. Get out there and have a look. What can I say? That's yeah. my pick. And the great news is that because it's a little bit cooler, it's helped the veggies, it's helped the fruit to look at its best before it drags a ride home with you. That's right. This little bit of rain, nice and slow, cool air, everything perks up. Then you get a hot day and it has a growth spurt. And we're in heaven, as I said.
La Dolce Vita. La Dolce Vita. And get some of this Savoy cabbage. Beautiful for a coleslaw. Yeah, check it out on the Instagram. Cam Smith eat it. It's, uh, it's a monster. And it's like John looks like he's just caught a huge barramundi or something. <laughs> Actually, I've got some barra. That might be Tuesday. Hey! All right, well, we'll find out how that goes. Thank you, John, as always. You're welcome, everyone. Have a lovely day. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website, rrr.org.au. One thing I have to say is with great delight we go to our phone lines and on a very special line 11 we have the Lord Mayor of Melbourne, Sally Cap. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with us on Eat It here on 3 FM. It is my pleasure, Cam. I've been desperate to come on for ages, so I'm glad we could finally make a time. And here we are together at last, but separated. But um, looking forward to seeing you. First of all, congratulations in prevailing on your position. Thank you. Absolutely thrilled. And we know there's a lot of work ahead, but we've got a great team at Town Hall. Uh, A lot of new councillors as well, bringing new energy and ideas. So we feel really confident about Giving it our all for Melbourne. Well, I'm, I know you will, Sally, but the, the, this is, uh, it's that Chinese curse, isn't it? Living in interesting times. What More was... than interesting, I reckon, <laughs> at this point, Cam. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot of time together, so I'll launch straight into it. I wanted to say, first of all, bravo on all the work in the green dining spaces around the city. I was just wondering if maybe you wanted to uh, summarise what the changes have been and uh, what's in the pipeline to get more people eating outside here in the CBD. Yeah, look, it's been an absolute triumph uh, for everyone involved, state government and the City of Melbourne combining forces to uh, create the Melbourne City Recovery Fund, which gave us the resources to be able to provide uh, free to the hospitality sector those amazing what we call parklets. They are beautiful and green. Uh, They're right across the city. They extend uh, outdoor dining, which means it also extends the number of patrons that our cafes, restaurants and bars are able to serve in a COVID-safe way. And importantly, it's brought so much vivacity and energy into our streets following months and months of them being empty. So it's been a a terrific effort. And Cam, if I can just say, Mm. this is a big part of Melbourne, the City of Melbourne really switching into that City of Yes mode to support as many of our ratepayers as we can. And our team have assessed more than 1,300 applications for extended outdoor dining, and they've done it in a record time. So it's been fantastic. Well, I'll throw a bouquet to you because I've spoken to a few restaurateurs and I said, look, I'm hoping to get uh, Sally Cap on the show. And they said, yes, we've had a couple meetings with her already and uh, the City Council has been awesome. So there you go. There's some positive feedback to you. Great to hear. Um, I think one of the things we have to acknowledge, and I don't know if you can do anything in your position as Lord Mayor, but it seems that everybody I talk to says, we need staff. We need staff. Yeah, it's, it's been one of the big sort of revelations coming out yeah. of the lockdown and the pandemic experiences that we've lost so many of our valuable uh, hospitality and retail workers in particular. And, we, you know, 
what do we realise as a result of COVID? There's so much that we took for granted and I hope that as we go forward we're far more appreciative of all of those amazing people that have provided great service and really contributed to our tourism sector. We've been meeting uh, regularly with the state government, as you know, Cam, and we met again on Friday just to start looking at ways in which uh, we can encourage more staff back into those sectors so that our restaurants can can open. But a staff shortage uh, is is one of the unfortunate and devastating uh, outcomes of COVID. And reality. Um, every time you go... Yeah, it's a reality. And I hope mm. every time you go into a restaurant, pub or cafe, uh, you give a really warm smile to the people that are serving you because um, they make all the difference. And they're probably going to be working twice as hard too. Um, is um, Where have they all gone? Any ideas? Have, have, has there been sort of thought put to that? Because a lot of them couldn't go overseas because there were no flights overseas. Well, right at the start, uh, and this is another you know realisation, is that uh, a lot of our international students returned home yeah. And they are absolutely central to our uh, hospitality sector. We've had a lot of people on 457 visas who also at the start uh, decided that was their best course was to go home because they weren't otherwise eligible for any support here in Australia. Mm. Uh, JobKeeper has been absolutely fantastic, but there are a number of cohorts that, that really missed out and, and they were one of them. And then we've also had a lot of uh, staff who have gone to other states as they were able to. Uh, some were returning back to those states as family, so they were able to get exemptions, and others just uh, went as soon as they were able, knowing that uh, Queensland and New South Wales were more open uh, and had more job opportunities than we did for a while there. The fact is that Melbourne, though, is... Well, what can we say, Cam? It's an awesome place. It has a very unique offer. And part of the discussions with the state government is how can we attract those people back and what can we do to train up more people so that they can get back into that sector as soon as possible. My favourite term for Melbourne is the glorious Prague of the South. Oh, I like it. Mm. Am I allowed to use it, Cam? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good. For sure, it's it's yours now, uh, but it's uh, it's a nice way to differentiate ourselves between another city to the north of us, shall we say? Um, yeah. <laughs> now, um, I'm just one of the things that um, Melbourne City Council is doing, and of course, with you at the head of it, is reminding people to get back into the CBD to uh, to eat, work, and play. Uh, what sort of things, this is a free kick to say, what sort of things are you doing to promote that? Well, thank you. And look, I've just been out having brunch in DeGrave Street. Uh, there were, you know, there, there was a good crowd there, but okay. still we're very low on numbers. Our pedestrian counters tell us that during the week we're still as low as 30% of normal foot traffic year on year and on the weekends we're still around that sort of 50-55%. So we are encouraging people to come back and apart from that extended outdoor dining which is fabulous, uh, we've had Urban Blooms on for the last two weeks uh, finishing up today. If you love flower installations, come in and have a look. We've had Melbourne Fashion Week on uh, over the past week which has been brilliant. Yeah, that looked great. 
an amazing busker program. You can be entertained uh, around the streets of Melbourne, 20 brilliant buskers uh, each week performing, and, of course, they've all been missing out uh, for months now. And yeah. then we launched on Friday our what we call Flash Forward Creative Laneways Project, 40 laneways around the city being uh, dressed again with wonderful street art, Ooh. light installations, Ooh. we've got music performers, uh, we've got artistic shows, all sorts of things on across 40 laneways. And the great thing about this program is don't wait until it's finished, which will take months. Come and enjoy them as they are being produced. Uh, I went yesterday down Russell Place to see Caffeine, who's doing an amazing street art uh, mural. Yes. And uh, it's fascinating to watch something at that scale come together uh, with her artistic talents. And you can do that. All sorts of people are crowding around. You can enjoy a coffee there. That's the sort of thing that we hope will really bring people back. It's rediscovering the things we love, street art and laneways, but it's really adding a new dimension uh, at scale so that people can feel really proud of the things we've always loved about Melbourne. Oh, it's good to know there's some budget floating around there. That is awesome. It's interesting that you bring up Russell Place, Sally Cap. Oh, okay. Because I have a proposal for you. This is without notice. Um, mm. But uh, Russell Place, of course, uh, runs uh, between Burke Street and Little Collins Street. Uh, famous for housing the Gin Palace. The Gin Palace was a place that taught us how to drink well and with quality. And uh, the helmsman behind that was a man by the name of Vernon Chalker who tragically died uh, in the middle of COVID where we couldn't have a funeral for him and we couldn't uh, celebrate his great life and all the achievements and how he put Melbourne on the map because I think there was an article in the New York Times or something like that about Gin Palace. Yep, 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 correct. I propose to you, um, and I know this is a process and it'll take a long time to do, but I think that Russell Place should be renamed Chalker Place. Oh, what, what, what a great idea. What say you? He did put us on the map. He brought, he brought a, a part of Melbourne. It, it's not just mm. that he made the best cocktails and, and helped us appreciate it, but it's the whole venue. It's the whole yeah. vibe that he brought. There's a sophistication, and he also really uh, added to that sense of looking behind doors and down laneways <laughs> and yeah. finding the most extraordinary uh, atmospheres and, and environments. So uh, you'll be pleased to know, Cam, I was actually at the Gin Palace on Friday. Yeah, and you saw uh, Ben there. legendary. I yep. did see Ben yes. uh, and the team, and they're in great form, and we were talking about ways that we could recognise uh, you're right on the pulse, I must say, Cam. Uh, Recognise Vernon and his indelible mark on Melbourne and how he helped us become a renowned place around the world. And, so, and another um, the thing, idea Sally, is alone. And, yeah. and, and one more thing about uh, Vernon, as well as him being a very naughty boy, and we know that, but also the, we talk about the Chalker diaspora. I mean, the people that, that Vernon has trained who have gone out and made the uh, the city a better place to eat, the state a better place to eat, and also um, also uh, better things to drink. If, if we think of Maiden Eye and, and those things, so oh, incredible! Yeah, yeah, maybe we can kick it down the road uh, together. That sounds kind of fun. Good. Well, that gives me a good reason to check in with you again soon and let you know what's happening. Good. Uh, last thing before we go, are you off to lunch? What are you, what are you up to? 
Well, yes, I have just had a delicious brunch on De Graves. I yes. am heading back into town for some mega Christmas shopping because I didn't say earlier, but we kicked off Christmas extravaganza. I did go and visit Santa in his workshop this morning at Federation Square yeah. and have a look at the tree. Seen the tree, yeah. And I've good. got to think of something delicious for dinner. What do you reckon? Uh, What's one of your favourite haunts in the city, Cam? <laughs> oh, God, there's, there's too many to name. Um, <laughs> Just uh, give me one. Uh, Pastuzzo for, uh, for awesome things. Uh, Victor yeah. Leong at Lee Ho Fook. Uh, oh, the, the, uh, the city wine shop, which is one of my favourite places just to sit oh, or to bring exactly. someone. Um, Anam down in Little Burke Street. Um, Brunetti's, which I still haven't been through. That's, there's an embarrassment of riches within postcode 3000. It's good yes, to see we you are part spoiled. of it. Yeah. And we need to support it as well, and that's one of the reasons why I kept going back. Sally, I'm really, really pleased to see that you are uh, a Helms person uh, of, the, uh, of the city. Congratulations again. It's a delight to speak to you, and I look forward to speaking to you again before Thanks, too long. Sam. Same. Thanks Thank for taking so the much. time. It's my pleasure, absolutely. And if I don't speak to you beforehand, Merry Christmas. Uh, right back at you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Cam. Bye. Sally Cap. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 